I'll tell you a story before we get started. It might be better. <laughs> One talks about a joining state to South Dakota that they had a moron choir. The morons had learned to sing very vociferously, and they got quite good, by the way, and uh, they started to go from state to state and, and uh, give uh, concerts. And as they became well-known, the uh, people around began to feed them. And of course, being fed like they were not used to, they began to get a little pudgy. And the people who were in charge of choirs said, well, we should do something about that because uh, obviously fat people can't sing well. So they restricted their diet to just a soft drink and an apple. That became to be known as a moron tab and apple choir. <laughs> That's about all I can say. That really is a mouthful, moron tab and apple choir. Some of you will get it like you get the old age security. Well, we have Titus. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. This is of the Lord. I took the liberty of putting out what outline I could put together. And I noticed that uh, apart from one paragraph, this really doesn't touch the tenor of our discussion this, uh, this two days. <laughs> If any of you have lack in this area, we'll discover that uh, our discussion has mainly been on whether the companions of Paul were in the body or out of the body. And uh, as I say, I don't really touch on this. I'm going to skip the uh, bulk of this because you have it in your hands. And you can take it with you if you wish. Otherwise, you see, you can take this and tear it in half and take one and a half downtown, and with 40 cents on top of it, you can buy yourself a cup of coffee. Maybe 45 here, I don't know. But uh, I'd like to, with your permission, to get into the area that we have in the next to last paragraph. I dug up something I found was very enticing and interesting here with regard to Zenos. And it was mentioned that he was Paul's attorney. I don't know about that, but uh, I discovered some time ago that the word lawyer comes from the Sanskrit, which is the, uh, the ancient or the oldest Indo-European language, and it means to twist. It's very descriptive of a lawyer, isn't it? I thought you'd enjoy that. Regardless, uh, these two uh, fellows are walking through a cemetery, and they came to... Uh, tombstone they saw an epitaph which said here lies a lawyer an honest man and the other fellow says you know you gotta be two men in that grave <laughs> in any event uh next to the last paragraph i have written here erroneously or otherwise it is both interesting and informative something not known for such as apollos priscilla aquila barnabas and so forth Titus and Paul were, bo were both sustained by the blessed hope, even the glorious appearing <coughs> of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, I believe Titus 2.13 is speaking about the same hope. The glorious appearing is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the moment I put this down, I knew that uh, it would strike gold because we've been having a problem with some of these brethren. We are, we're going to leave this conference uh, not deciding where they are or where they aren't. I'm, not, I'm surely not going to do any arm twisting or try to tell you that I think that they're got to be here or there or the other place and say that's the answer to all things. But I'd like to have you turn to 1 Corinthians. And uh, you may not see it here, but this is going to involve Titus. And this is going to involve Apollos. This is going to involve Priscilla and Aquila, Barnabas, Luke, and the others that have been topics of our conversations for the last few days. And I will... Uh, point out by <laughs> passing that uh, as I understand the scriptures Corinth was the birthplace of divisions that is schism such as denominations I don't think you had a denomination before you came to Corinth and you had a division here at least split four ways I guess is the first mention of any cleavage called a denomination and Paul speaks of this in the first chapter verse 11 and he mentions that uh, two people from the house of Chloe came to him and said that uh, there are contentions, serious divisions in the church at Corinth. And as I understand it, this is some time after Paul visited Corinth, maybe up to two years. So he writes the letter. Now I say that because I want you to realize that I believe we have... Uh, perhaps three time elements concerning the church at Corinth. Now notice chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul says, And I, brethren, obviously talking to saved people, when I came to you, now he's talking about his coming to Corinth back in Acts, the 18th chapter, is it? And he's saying that when he initially visited Corinth, he didn't come to them with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the mysterion of God as some have put it I think Westcott and Hort not particularly known for their authenticity translate that the mysterion the mystery of God it might be and Paul is saying here when I came to Corinth on my initial visit I didn't come to you teaching the mystery I think the text bears us out. Now, we immediately have to determine whether or not it's possible to teach the gospel without teaching the mystery. And I have taken it from several of the brethren that it's impossible to do that. I don't think that's right. Let me illustrate it. Whenever God allows me the privilege of speaking to somebody about their soul's needs, I always start where they are, or presuming where they, they are to be. I always say words to the effect, if the Lord Jesus Christ would come right now, what sort of an answer would you and I give if he should say to us, what, give me one reason why I should allow you into heaven? I just said that to a Lutheran man the other day. 
and I've visited with him several times. I've given him the gospel several times. And he bowed his head and he says, that's quite an answer, or that's quite a question. I don't think I have an answer to it. But then he said, I know what answer you would give and what you believe the Bible says. He said, you're going to tell me that the Lord Jesus Christ is your hope, that he died for you and you trust him as your Savior. I said, that's right, that's what I'm going to say. He said, well, that's what I should say too, but I haven't been able to bring myself to that yet. I still think that my good work should amount for something. Then I said, when you and I do that, we are attempting to bribe God. That's exactly what we're doing. He's very concerned about his soul's need. I don't come to him with any gospel than the gospel of Christ. Now, I distinguish myself between the gospel of the grace of God and the gospel of Christ. Right or wrong, that's what I do. I believe in the gospel grace of God you have perhaps three or four facets all joined together which can be distinguished. You certainly can't take the gospel of uncircumcision and make that the mystery because that was back concerning Abram. He was justified in uncircumcision. You certainly can't squeeze uncircumcision as the mystery but you can squeeze it as part of the three or fold, four, uh, fold part of the gospel of the grace of God. I take the gospel of the grace of God to be the overall gospel with these three-tiered or four-tiered things within it. Now, I say right or wrong, follow me through. When Paul came to Corinth, he said, I determined not to know anything among you save, Paul, save Christ and him crucified. That is the gospel of Christ. He could have told them of the mystery. He had parts, if not all, of the mystery at that time. And I'm not too bright, but I think he had perhaps all of it, but I'm not going to argue the point. Now he says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that was his personal deliberation. That was his personal choice. He determined to do that. However, he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear. That's verse 3. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And I think when the Holy Spirit is speaking through your lips and my lips, people understand the message. And that's the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We cannot make it too clear nowadays. Then he says in verse 6, How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. And I have chosen not to put the word mature there, but I have chosen to use the word complete in Christ. You see the word in its original language can be described as perfect, mature, complete, or same word for the end. And I don't think that... Uh, a man is going to understand the mystery on the basis of only being mature because who among us would stand up and say I am a mature Christian and if we cannot say that with every ounce of our being then we shouldn't understand much of the mystery if we're not mature I think he's talking about those who are in Christ who in this dispensation are described as being complete in Christ 
Colossians 2, 9 and 10. And that's the way in which Paul looks upon them as being perfect. We are complete in Christ today. By the way, something I never could ascribe to uh, anyone in Matthew, <laughs> and uh, that's why I have trouble understanding how you can squeeze some of those people into the body who never understood the completeness in Christ, at least by their writings. Now you'll notice he's talking about when he visited Corinth, he came to them as unsaved Corinthians. Then he says, I speak the wisdom of God among them that are complete. Verse 7, the wisdom couched in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, the mystery, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. All right? Tenable or untenable, as it may be, follow up through for just a few moments. Paul says when he came to Corinth, he came not with excellency of speech, but he said, I want to talk to you about Christ and him crucified. That is the basic foundation principle of this dispensational teaching. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. And Paul there is taking the scripture which was given to him in his message from the Old Testament, by the way. I do not think personally that you can find mystery in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That Christ should die for the sins of the people was no mystery. But that he should take both Jew and Gentile and make them twain in one new man, that's part of the mystery. But he didn't go to these unsaved heathen, anybody who isn't saved is a heathen, he didn't go to them and say, I want to show you the mystery. That would have been that part of the gospel of the grace of God. Now, it's true the gospel of Christ is a part of the gospel of the grace of God, but I think you can distinguish them. Well, at least I do. Right or wrong, I do. Now, go with me to chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. The apostle now is talking to the Corinthians, and he says now in verse 14, with regard to all the that he speaks of and all the judgment that's to come in the Bema seat. He says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, Tekna, as my beloved children or born ones, I warn you. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Now, you come back to chapter 3, and uh, the apostle is saying here in verse 4, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed. <coughs> now, how did these men believe? How do these people believe? Paul says, I have planted... He should have. He's the one who received the message. Paul says, I'm the one that came to Corinth, and I planted the seed, the word of God. I'm the one that issued the gospel of Christ to the unsaved Corinthians. And you turn back to the book of Acts, and Apollos comes to Corinth after Paul has been there. Not the same time, but after he's been there. And uh, 
you find then that uh, the ministry of Apollos was one of watering. Now go with me to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, and we'll notice that uh, Paul applauds the Corinthians in this manner. Verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5, that in everything ye are enriched by him, that is, God the Father, in all utterance and in all knowledge, but he didn't say in all prophecies. Isn't that interesting? Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. In other words, Paul says, I planted, but others came along, and they watered. What did they water? Did they water the mystery? I don't believe so. Because he says, by whom, by which ye believed. Pistuo, entrance into faith. And for years and years and years, since I saw Brother Stam's diagrams in our advanced dispensational survey class in 1949 and I often wish he would write more on that I distinguish between these Gospels I, I can still see his chart pyramiding one on the other forming the Gospel of God or the Gospel of the grace of God but each is distinguishable now I submit to you today beloved that when Paul found men such as Apollos Priscilla and Aquila, Barnabas, others, when he found them in his ministry, all these brethren agreed on one principle, that Christ should die for our sins. I, 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 I can buy the idea that, Christ, at, that they all preach the gospel of the grace of God if you understand it to mean the facet concerning the gospel of Christ. I believe you have a foundation principle undergirding both kingdom and mystery hopes. It's the same foundation. Paul says, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Titus 1.4 speaks of this, in which I read, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. The word common there meaning one that everyone shares equally. Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, the same word meaning something that those of Jude's ancestors and the Gentiles under Titus, that is in the days of Titus, something they shared equally. We have a common faith vested in the Lord Jesus Christ, something we share equally. Salvation is of the Jews. Christ came unto his own. He was made a minister of the circumcision to confirm the promises made unto Israel. He sent them out, go not in the way of the Gentiles. But when he turned to the Gentiles, Paul says, Lo, they will hear it. Hear what? The same thing the Jews refused. And everywhere Paul went, in the book of the Acts, during that transition period, it was his custom to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath, opening up the Old Testament scriptures, and alleging that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus was the Christ. Galatians 1 says, this is the faith he once destroyed. He didn't destroy the mystery, didn't have it yet. He didn't destroy the gospel of uncircumcision, he didn't know what it was. But he was destroying Christ. He said, the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. He was destroying Christ. 
He did it in ignorance and unbelief, but he did it nevertheless. And we read in, in Galatians, the first chapter, that when he began his ministry, they in Judea never knew him by faith. They had heard only that he which persecuted us, the Pentecostal church in times past, now preaches the faith he once destroyed. What is that faith? Faith in Jesus Christ. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. When Saul was saved and rode to Damascus, God gave him two signal parts of a commission. One was, and we, we've gone over these points, to speak of the things to which I have appeared unto thee on the road to Damascus. Secondly, and the things which I will appear unto thee in Arabia. He takes him that order. When he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath, he speaks of the first, what Jesus Christ has done for him on the road to Damascus. That's salvation, folks. That's not the mystery. So graciously reiterated in Acts chapter 26. And he, he just simply opens it up and shows us much that God has said to him, what you didn't see in Acts 9. Then when he had the mystery, he then unfolded it to the people he had won to the Lord. First salvation and then sanctification. You never get it in any other order. And you need it that way. Now, Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians in chapter 4 of these supposed 10,000 instructors. Now, he's exaggerating, I know. But he's saying even if you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, they haven't begotten you through the gospel. I have. You're my converts. You've been saved under my ministry. They come along and they water it. Now go back to Acts. And uh, I say again, right or wrong, keep this in mind. At least you have, uh, should have a privilege of hearing it, whether it's something you buy or not. Come with me now to Acts chapter 18. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, that's the Old Testament scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. He only knew John's baptism, verse 25. And knowing that, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, verse 26. And when he had spoken, I think once, maybe, I don't know how many times, Priscilla and Aquila said, Apollos, we've got a certain mattress at home and a ham hock and you ought to come home with us and spend some time now that's precisely what they did they invited him to their home and he stayed there some time it wasn't an overnight stay and by the way pastor your people here have been very gracious to us and we want you to convey to them that they've really made us feel at home okay you do that but here <coughs> Here they took him unto themselves and they exposed the way more perfectly. Now don't tell me that's the superlative, that's the comparative. Now listen, I went to school, the way more perfectly. And if you don't believe it, let's go on then. Verse 28, after he had had his time with Priscilla and Aquila, what did he do? He left off with John and his baptism and he did this. He mightily convinced the Jews. And that means they, he stopped their mouths. They had nothing to offer by way of reputation. He, he convinced the Jews in that publicly shown by the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. Paul's weren't in print yet. 
that Jesus was Christ. Exactly what Paul taught in a synagogue on the Sabbath when he went in as the custom was. Now when he was booted out and went down by the seaside, or the house joined hard, or another house in there where converts came, and others along the way believed, he began to unfold to them the wonders of God's marvelous grace. Here's what you have in Christ Jesus. But now, I submit to you that Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila, Barnabas and others, worked together with Paul in the area of the gospel of Christ, and that's the thing they watered. And they weren't watering the mystery. I don't know why it is that our people, all of a sudden, Paul goes up to Jerusalem, spends 14 days there, only sees a couple of the brethren. He says he did. And all of a sudden, everybody joins in the body. And he tells you what they discussed up there. They discussed circumcision and uncircumcision. They didn't discuss kingdom and mystery. And Peter, in his epistle, he comes to the close of Second Peter, and he says, Even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written to you, as in all his epistles, and many of the brethren seem don't to think that's in the book, in all of his epistles, not just so-called Hebrews, we have short sight, brethren. He says, In all his epistles, speaking in them some things hard to be understood. Concerning what? Peter says salvation, the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. It's interesting to note that Peter spoke of the long-suffering of Christ. Paul speaks of the all-long-suffering of Christ. And there's a difference. And Peter says the subject, folks, is salvation. The subject isn't that they came to know the mystery. And I often say some of our brethren are more Calvinistic than Calvin was. And I think some are more Pauline than Paul was. <laughs> I, I think we can't any, go any further than what the text says. And uh, it's dangerous to do so. And when I do so, it's dangerous. But now you have this principle existing in the book of the Act, a transition book in which you're moving from kingdom principles to the grace body principles. And it doesn't come at a certain spot. You have it moving in, then taking up a new place, a new place, and Paul goes back to the synagogue. He opens up the Old Testament scriptures. He's not talking about the mystery there. And then he finds a few believers, and then he unfolds to them, as Corinthians states he does, the message of the gospel, the grace of God in its fullness, not just in its foundation principle. I hope you understand what my view is on that. Right or wrong, that's what it is. And I think we do injustice to all these brethren, Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila, when we say, well, they journeyed with Paul, so therefore they were all members of the body. Now, just to point this out, Acts 18, verse 1, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, now notice verse 3. It is not because Paul wished to make sure they understood the principles of the mystery that they journeyed together. And because he was of the same craft, 
he abode with them and wrought for there by their occupation they were tent makers in verse 4 you have a familiar pattern continuing Paul goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath and there he finds Silas apparently a Jewish convert Timotheus a Gentile convert these two fellows are called apostles aren't they and they're working side by side insofar as the gospel of Christ is concerned now Paul says there is a preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery you think there possibly could be a preaching of Jesus Christ according to the kingdom why sure if there was no revelation of the mystery now there wasn't because in God's mind he revealed at the proper time to the proper person but if there had been no dispensation of the grace of God as we know it would Christ still have died for the sins of the people sure he would would there still have been a blood of Christ sure there would would there still have been resurrection through Christ sure there would not the same one but there would have been one would there not been a hope issued to the people who believed under that economy sure there would and I think personally that when we take a devious means to try to explain how all these brethren slipped into the body somehow or other we are trying unknowingly unwittingly perhaps to erase the future hope for Israel one and secondly we're trying to take the distinctive ministry of Paul that was so prevalent at one time in the book of the Acts and make it distinguish it distinguished by its indistinguishableness I don't know how you can take the mandatory water baptism of Luke 7 28 29 30 that was imposed upon the people it was necessary to be baptized by John and by Peter and you weren't saved unless you were baptized I don't see how you can take that in uh, Acts 8 or Acts 10 as some of you brethren say and then you turn the page in your Bible and it's all gone and the people upon whom the baptism was so incumbent one day is not to be found the next I don't understand this and as some of my people say well we're just from South Dakota we don't know too much out here so we have to come back here and get educated but I don't understand how we can so tenaciously hold to a distinguishable and distinguished message one day and the next day to fluid it's all gone and whether we elevate the Jew to our level or we are lowered to theirs who do we think we are that we have to be they have to be elevated to ours I think it's a little bit bigotry on our part to say that they were elevated to us now, I'm not taking pot shot at our dear brother I meant to say we come to pastors conference we disagree violently but I'll tell you this much my friend this is the greatest bunch of guys I know right here and I love every one of you we don't act like it sometimes because we're searching for truth but I think today folks that when I somehow or other try to crowd these brethren into the body because Apollos looked lovingly upon Paul or had a steak dinner together or they found themselves going to the drugstore and they both bought the same prescription or some other silly thing that's about the principle on which this whole thing is hung I think 
That's rather nebulous. And I think unless we understand that these brethren all partook of the foundation Christ, one featuring the gospel of the kingdom, the other the gospel of the grace of God, one a kingdom hope, the other a mystery hope, I think we have confused that basic foundation gospel principle. And I also think that if we had this straightened out in our minds and we understood Peter was still holding his hearers to a future kingdom hope, one to which they are going to have to endure to the end, to the tribulation, by the way, whereas Paul says all the glories of the mystery in Christ, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and salvation is perfect and complete the moment you believe, and we're all but in heaven now. That's what it amounts to. Unless you see these two running throughout the Scriptures, Peter confirming his hearers to that future hope, Paul saying this is the hope of the believer in the body, I think we have confused the work in the New Testament myself. And by that confusion, you might not wonder why some people stand up and become Armenians, going to First and Second Peter and Hebrews and John 15 to get their theology, and others just as energetically and theologically sound in their minds going to Paul, for by grace are you saved, perfect tense, Ephesians 2.8, and say, no, 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 we're saved forever here. And they choose to go their own ways. They agree to disagree. And you have two schisms born, Arminianism and Calvinism, both of which I think are foolishness. And I think they both come about because we don't understand the distinctions between Paul's ministry and Peter's ministry. Well, you see, I've completely ignored this because you have it in your hands. Nothing earth-shaking in that. <laughs> you have that. <coughs> Only one thing that might precipitate some real discussion, and that's the reason for number two. His name does not appear as such in the book of the Acts. I think there's a reason for that, but that's not withstand at this point. All right. I'm going to quit because uh, I've used up my half hour. We're back on schedule again, brother. <laughs>